Hi everyone and welcome to the Allie on the Run show. I am your host, Allie Feller, and today you've made it to episode 45. First, let's go back in time a little. When I was growing up, I was obsessed with Full House. I knew every line from every episode, and I genuinely thought that I was Stephanie Tanner, mostly because you remember that episode when she performed that really sick dance routine to Motown Philly. Deep down, of course, I was a bit of a Michelle. I was sassy, I was the youngest child, and I liked to get my way. Anyway, after decades of Full House fandom, I am so thrilled to welcome Andrea Barber to the Alley on the Run show. That's right, the one and only Kimmy Gibbler is here with us today. Now, most people equate Andrea with her crazy, quirky, totally silly character from Full House and Fuller House, the revival that is currently in its third season on Netflix. But during our conversation, I very quickly learned that Andrea is so not her on-screen alter ego. For one, Andrea is super smart, very warm, and she's far from the stereotypical Hollywood actress. And fun fact, after growing up on the Full House set, Andrea went on to earn an English degree from Whittier College, then got her master's degree in women's studies from the University of York in England. She also served as the assistant to the director of Whittier College's Office of International Programs. So, not exactly your typical Hollywood actress and not exactly the future that Kimmy Gibbler might have had in mind. On this episode, Andrea talks a whole lot about Full House and... She definitely indulged my wishes to dish a little bit about John Stamos, so thank you, Andrea, for that. Plus, she was happy to share how she actually feels about Hollywood life and all those red carpets, and she talked about her long history with anxiety and depression and how her mental health struggles helped her find running. Because yes, my friends, Kimmy Gibbler is a runner. Andrea talked to me about how she found running, why she's stuck with it, and why she just really needs it in her life. That's enough from me. Clearly, I'm excited about this one. Now get running and enjoy Andrea Barber. Welcome to the Alley on the Run show. As a lifelong Full House fan, and when I say fan, I mean like diehard fan. Like I was one of those girls obsessed with Full House growing up. I'm so excited to have you here. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Allie. I'm so excited that you asked me to be on your podcast. Thank of you. Of course. So we start every show just like we start a good run with a warm up. So warm oh. us up. Tell us who you are, where you're from, and what it is that you do. Oh, great. Um, well, my name is Andrea Barber. I was born and raised in Southern California. Um, I live in Orange County now with my two children, 13 and 10. And um, I've been running for about five years five and a half years. And, um, I also act on the side. <laughs> Casu casually, you act on the side. I can't, I'm casually an actress sometimes, part-time. <laughs> People might've heard of you. So you are of course best known as the beloved Kimmy Gibbler. Um, and as I mentioned, I grew up, like I was obsessed with full house. I think I thought I was Stephanie Tanner at one point. Um, because I was a dancer. She had those amazing jazz routines. Um, oh, yeah. So if we can, I would love to go all the way back in time. Do you remember booking the role of Kimmy? And did you know that Full House was going to be the sensation that it became? 
oh gosh, no, no none of us had any idea that it was going to become this like cult following phenomenon that it's become 30 years later. I don't remember the, the actual audition because as a child actor, you go out for auditions every day, all the time. So this was just kind of another audition that I did. I do know that I auditioned for the role of DJ first, and I obviously didn't get that part. Um, but the producers remembered my audition. And so when the role of Kimmy Gibbler came up, they, they called me back and said, we'd love for you to read for the role of the wacky neighbor girl. Um, and I did, and I, I got the part and the rest is, is kind of history. I, I had no idea. It was supposed to be like a one-time appearance. Um, I ended up making five appearances on that first season of full house. And then I became a regular character after that. And now I'm one of the three leads on, um, the spin-off Fuller House. It's it's pretty incredible when <laughs> when I when I review it like that in my head, I'm like, wow, did that really happen? Um, it's pre- it's pretty incredible, and I'm I'm very lucky and blessed. Yeah, you've had this alter ego for a really long time now. So when you oh, yeah. first started on Full House, how old were you? You were like 11, right? You were very young. Yeah, I think I was 10, or I, maybe I had just turned 11. So um, very young. What is it like? pretty much growing up on a TV set. Was that kind of surreal or was that just just your reality and that's what you knew? That was very normal for me because I didn't know I didn't know any other way of life. But at the same time, I also had a pretty normal childhood. I mean, aside from the fact that I was on this hit TV show, I still went to regular public school when I wasn't working. I had friends that were not in Hollywood. Um, I went to basketball games at the school. I went to my senior prom. Um, I had boyfriends who weren't at all involved in the business. So I spent a lot of time on the Full House set. um, And I do, I consider them my second family because we all love each other and we spent so much time together. But, um, I sort of had one foot inside of Hollywood and then another foot outside of Hollywood. Um, and this, I had sort of this split life. So I feel like I, I got the best of both worlds. You know, I got to grow up, um, as normally as possible considering the circumstances. Um, and then I gained this, this second full house family that have, they've now been a part of my life for 30 years. And I feel like everything that you see about Full House and now Fuller House, it seems like you guys really were a family. Is that accurate or is that like the nice story that we like to imagine that we like to imagine that you're all best friends offset too but what what was the atmosphere like (laughs) no that's true and I know it sounds cheesy and I know a lot of tv shows will say that oh we're like a family but it's not true and they're all secretly fighting (laughs) off stage but um no in our case it really was true um and I don't know what it was I I don't know why we were so close when not all casts are that close um it was just something about the chemistry about, um, I mean, you can't cast chemistry like that. I really think we were just lucky that we all fell together in the same place. And, um, working with Bob Saget and Dave Coulier is, is always creates a funny atmosphere in general. So there was a lot of laughter on the set. Bob himself has three daughters. And so all the guys, the guys were very much like father figures to us. Um, and they were protective of us and there was just a lot of love, a lot of love on that show, not just with the cast too, but also with our crew. And we have on, on Fuller House, we have a lot of our same crew. Like we have our same script supervisor. We have a lot of the same writers. We have the same producers. So, you know, that love extends beyond the cameras. Um, and we consider ourselves a family of cast and crew. Oh, that's so cool. I didn't realize that about the crew. That's so fun for everyone. So yeah, it's really cool. Looking back at the original series, do you have a favorite 
Kimmy moment or episode? Um, well, my standard answer to that <laughs> is that my favorite episode is the one um, where DJ forgets Kimmy's 16th birthday. Oh, no, it's so sad. Yeah, but I, that's why I love it, because it's one of the only times in the original series where I get to be something other than crazy and zany. And I get I got, finally got to show a side of Kimmy that no one had ever seen, which is that she was hurt. Um, she she was offended and she was hurt by her best friend. And she got to actually say that to her best friend. Um, and of course, it all ends with a hug at the yeah. end and everybody <laughs> makes up. But uh, for that one scene, you know, I got to show some real emotions. And I had never that's very rare for a character like Kimmy Gibbler to to not just be cracking jokes and doing physical comedy and wearing crazy clothes. Um, it, it was just a real, a real cool moment for me to show a different side of Kimmy. So I would say that was one of my favorite episodes. Um, of course, also getting to go to Disney world for an episode was outstanding. Um, that was really neat to be able to shoot in the park, um, and to get to go behind, behind the scenes, um, at the park. Uh, that was just a really neat experience. Shooting on location is always very stressful, but, um, it's very, very unique at the same time. Yeah. And it's still my childhood dream and now my adult dream to be princess for a day. So I don't know if you have any connections, if we could make <laughs> that happen, but as someone I'll who... I'll see what I can do. Yeah. yeah. I'll make some phone calls and awesome. see if, if people are still interested. <laughs> <laughs> and still can't see anything Indiana Jones related without picturing Steve showing up and thinking it's it, you know. <laughs> He's such a dreamboat. Yeah. Everybody, everybody either wants him to, um, they want him to see, you know, he was a lot, the voice of Aladdin. Yeah. So um, every time he comes on on the show, he'll always get take the microphone in front of the audience and, and do some classic lines from Aladdin, like, carpet, let's move. <laughs> That's amazing. Everybody gets a big kick out of it. <laughs> I love it. So Full House wrapped many, many years ago, but then I think every 90s child's dream came true when Fuller House announced it was coming to Netflix. Can you tell me about that process? Because after Full House, you kind of stepped out of the limelight for a while and then... Fuller House came up. So did you ever think you would be reunited? Was a spinoff something you guys had talked about? Or was this like, oh, wow, this is a this is a change in what I'm doing right now? Yeah. Uh, yeah. When Full House ended in um, 90, 1995, nobody ever expected we would be back together on the same set acting as these same characters again. That, that wasn't a thing back then. No, there were no reboots. There were no spin. I mean, there were spinoffs, but there were no... Um, reboots or a continuation of the series like you see now with um boy meets world or will and grace or any of these shows that i mean now it's trendy to, to come back and reboot your old show because the nostalgia factor is very powerful people like that they're already invested in these characters uh they don't have to learn who the new characters are and get to know their personalities they they've known us they this this audience has literally grown up with me and so um i think there's a real emotional investment investment as far as the audience goes. So when Full House wrapped, we, we, we were done. Um, everybody kind of went on to do other things in the business. And I left the business uh, to go to college and to continue my education because I was kind of like, okay, I've been doing the child actor thing for 15 years. That was great. Been there, done that, but I'm done. Like I had a very fulfilling career as a child actor and I I was interested in learning new things. So, um, yeah, I went to college. I did an internship at the United Nations in Switzerland. 
I got a master's degree in England. Uh, I got married. I had two kids. Um, and then I was a stay at home mom for 10 years, um, raising those kids. Uh, and then somewhere around 2014, I want to say I got a call from Jeff Franklin, uh, out of the blue. And he said, would you be interested in reprising the character of Kimmy Gibbler? And I didn't even hesitate to say yes <laughs> because, and I, that's so weird. Cause I never wanted to go back to acting. It was, it's just, I have a love hate relationship. I love acting. I love the craft, but I, I really, um, don't like the business very much. So, um, yeah, but I, I didn't hesitate cause I thought the chance to, to bring this character to life again and to work with some of my favorite people in the world. Um, it just seemed like a no brainer to me. It was, it was a no brainer. Um, it's just been, it's like a once in a lifetime opportunity that I I've gotten to do twice. And, uh, it's, it's so cool. It's I'm pinching myself every single day. So you have kids who are teenagers. At what point did you tell them like, listen, mama's a pretty awesome actress on a pretty famous show here. I want you to sit down and watch every season. Like, how did you tell them that about Kimmy? <laughs> well, um, you know, I didn't introduce my kids to, to Full House for a long time because I'm like, well, they're not in, it's, this won't hold their interest. They're into cartoons and Blues Clues and, you know, all of the animated <laughs> series. So I didn't introduce them for a long time. And then when my son, um, when my son Tate was in first grade, maybe second grade, let's say first grade. When my son was in first grade, um, he came home from school one day and he said, Mom, how come every kid at school has seen Full House except for me, and I'm your son? Oh. <laughs> so I thought, okay, I guess it's time. <laughs> so that's you know that was around that age that I sat them down and I put Full House on our DVR season pass, and they loved the show. They thought it was great. They loved the kids on the show. They loved um, Dave Coulier's character of Joey. They loved all the voices that he did. Um, and it, it wasn't weird for them at all that I was on this show. I mean, again, it's like you, you know what you grow up with and you don't know any different. So for my kids, it's like, okay, mom, you know, I've been recognized my whole life. The kids are kind of used to that. Um, and they've always seen, they've always been able to turn on Nick at night at any time of day and catch a rerun of full house. So, um, yeah, they, I think, I think they're kind of used to it. And then when Fuller House came about, I was under a strict gag order. Like I wasn't allowed to talk about it with anybody when we were pitching the show when we were putting the show together um it actually took us a couple of years to sell the show uh to a network and thankfully netflix came along and they were just starting their original programming at that time and it was it was just a perfect fit a perfect relationship um so i didn't tell my kids until the until the day of the announcement that fuller house was uh, fuller house was a thing and it was coming back to to our tv screens um and then I sat them down before school because I was like, all right, they might hear rumors about this at school today. And I just said, just to let you know, uh, mom's going back, uh, mom's going back to work and mom's going back to be on what's hopefully going to be a hit TV show again. And they were just like, what, huh? What? You know, they were a little bit confused, but they were like, okay, that's cool. What's yeah. for lunch? You have know, a good day, mom. Bye. Like, yeah. Have fun. You know, by the way, you know, what are we doing after school today? What's for dinner tonight? That's what they always want to know. What's for dinner tonight? Um, so, and then, you know, we just continued on our, we just continued on our regular lives. Um, we live a very normal, modest life in Orange County. And, I love um, that. their, their lives have changed a little bit. Um, 
in that, you know, I'm working now. I'm not, I don't stay at home with them full time. So they have, um, a nanny or a caretaker or, you know, grandparents, various people that are involved in, um, picking them up from school and taking them to their activities and helping with homework. But that's not different than any working mom. You know, every working mom faces those challenges of balancing work life and family life. But aside from that, you know, we don't do Hollywood parties. We don't do, my kids don't do red carpets. You know, I'll do a red carpet if, if I'm required to, but that's really not my thing. Um, I'd much rather just kind of stay home and light a fire and watch some Netflix and, um, you know, just hang out with my family. Yeah. Sounds good to me though. I would do a red carpet if I had to, you know, I wouldn't mind doing it. I mean, yeah, because I never have. So of course I would. (laughs) It's intimidating. I gotta tell you, I mean, every red carpet's different, but, um, I, I get so much anxiety before I go on a red carpet because it's so many flash bulbs and cameras and people are screaming your name. And that sounds like it would be really flattering to your ego, but it's stressful because you don't know where to look. And then you're like, Oh, you know, am I, am I, am I, are my shoulders straight? Am I sucking in my stomach? Am I posed the right way? Put your leg out, make sure, (laughs) make sure you're not slouching. You know, there's so much involved because you're like, this is, they're taking the picture that will be on the internet forever. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's a lot of pressure with that. And then after you do the pictures, you go and do the interviews for all of the media outlets and it's just so loud and crazy. And these interviewers are screaming questions at you and you're trying to think and answer and be witty and quick and have like the quick sound bite that they're looking for. Um, it's just complete and utter chaos. And it's, it's, <laughs> it always stresses me out. It's not my thing. All right. Um, so then I'll come over and we'll just hang out by the fire. That actually is sounding pretty good right now. So, or you can, you can pinch, you can pinch hit for me and you go do the red carpet. Deal. You, yeah. I'll do it <laughs> and once. And then I, I will stay home. <laughs> All right. Good deal. So Kimmy is of course a super quirky character. How much, if any, of that resonates with you and how much of it is just totally, you're like, this Kimmy girl is crazy. <laughs> um, I'm very much not like my character. Um, and I get that, I get that question a lot, or we as a cast get that question a lot. Who is the least like their character? And everybody is unanimous that it's me who is the least like my character. And that's just because I'm, I'm more shy. You know, I, I'm very introverted. Um, I, I don't think I have a very loud personality and I definitely don't have a loud wardrobe. <laughs> if I can just wear running clothes all day or yoga pants every day, I, I would be totally happy. Oh, see, now um, you're speaking my language. Oh, yes. <laughs> like there's nothing more comfortable than running clothes. So, yeah, I don't think I'm like my character, but th- there's there must be a part of me that resonates with her because otherwise I wouldn't be able to perform the way I do. And, and people have asked me that, like my, my makeup gal asked me, she's like, where has, where has Kimmy Gibbler been hiding for 20 years? Like you didn't do this character for 20 years. And now all of a sudden you're like, you know, you're, you're playing the rat King in the nutcracker episode of Fuller house. You know, how do you, how do you do that? And I said, I don't know. It's just sort of like this innate thing that comes out of me. I don't know. I don't know where it comes from. I don't know how I do it. It's just, they say action and it just comes out of me. I can't even explain it. It's this weird phenomenon. <laughs> <laughs> it's because you're very good at your job. That's, <laughs> that's a good thing. Why, well, thank you. Why do you think people love Kimmy so much? Um, I think, I think people love Kimmy so much because she is different. And I've had a lot of people say to me this year in particular, um, you know, thank you for teaching me that it's okay to be different. 
And I think that's really profound um, because not a lot of us can relate to, you know, the, the perfect celebrity with perfect hair on, on our, on our screens, you know, with the perfect wardrobe and always looking great and, you know, always resolving your problems in 30 minutes, you know, not a lot of us can relate to that, but I think many people can relate to people who, who, you know, who feel different, who feel maybe like an outcast, um, who feel weird, who feel, um, insecure on the inside, even if they don't show it on the outside. Um, I think a lot of people can relate to that. Um, and so that's, that's been great for me to be able to portray a character that doesn't apologize for who she is. She's not ashamed of who she is. She, she's loud and she can be offensive, but she makes no apologies. And she, she's, she embraces who she is and, and loves every minute of it. And so I think there's a lot of great lessons to be learned from Kimmy Gibbler. Yeah, I <laughs> and agree. That, you know, just, just be yourself, be yourself and don't be ashamed of it. Um, and I think as I've, as I've matured in my life, I've definitely gotten more comfortable in my own skin and I care much less about what people think of me. And I'm just like, Hey, this is me. This is who I am. You take it or leave it. Um, the people that don't want to accept you for who you are are not worth your time. Um, those are just, these are just great life lessons. You know, full house is always about teaching good life lessons. And so I guess that's the life lesson that Kimmy Gibbler has taught to our audience is just oh, to be yourself, it. be yourself and love yourself. Um, yes. you know, we, we all need more of that. Agreed. All right. We will move on from full house things, but before we do, can you just tell me anything about John Stamos? <laughs> any John Stamos story or fact or something about John Stamos? Um, like a secret? Let me think. No, it doesn't even have to be a secret. Oh. You can just be like, he's as handsome in real life as you would expect. He is very handsome. Of course, <laughs> he's very handsome. And I've seen him at his worst, too. I mean, I've seen him unshaven and unshowered and just walking onto the set, you know, grumpy. And he's still very attractive. I, it, he's got the most perfect skin and the most perfect jawline. I think it's his Greek heritage. I don't know what it is, but um, no, he is, he's a very attractive guy. He's super nice. He's very loving. He, he keeps his family close and, you know, he keeps his castmates close um, and he's a very loyal friend. And he just got engaged, too. I don't know I if you know, heard. I know, at yeah, Disney World. so hearts are breaking. I know. Yeah, I know. Everybody's <laughs> a little heartbroken. But um, his fiance Caitlin, is a wonderful gal. She's she's fantastic. Um, I've met her several times. She's just a sweetheart, and she's such a good fit for John. I'm really, really happy for them. Oh, that's um, awesome. Even though hearts are breaking across America, that's I, all I'm right. super happy for them. <laughs> <laughs> we can be happy for him. So tell me, what is or what are the what is the best thing about being an actress and what is the worst? Ooh, okay. Um, that's a good question. I would say, hmm. Well, I guess being an actress on a sitcom is different than being an actress on a Broadway show or an actress on a movie set. I mean, it's very, it's very different, the, the different types of mediums. So I guess I'll just answer this specifically to being an actress on a sitcom. Um, and the best thing is getting to be a different character, especially cause I'm, I get to portray such a different character than, uh, than my own self. Um, so I get to dress up in funky clothes and I have, you know, a, a wardrobe lady that, that dresses me and I have get my hair and makeup done and, um, getting to go out in front of a live audience and perform and make people laugh is absolutely the best part of my job. Cause that's, that's what we're doing. We're here to make, make people laugh. And the live audience is, 
is the the creme de la creme. That is the, <laughs> the best part of the week for me. The worst part of being an actress, I would say, is the unpredictability of this business. It's This business is very much a drop everything you're doing and go. <laughs> and I, I'm not like that. I'm a planner. Like, I need to have things planned out. You know, I'm very organized. Um, I don't like to be thrown any curveballs. And working in Hollywood is definitely um, like working with curveballs all the time. So I, I would say that's that's the hardest thing. Like, I'll get a phone call and be like, okay, you know, can you fly to New York tomorrow to do the Today Show? And that that's super exciting. But at the same time, I'm like, ah, I need to find child care for my kids and I'm not packed and I don't know what to, you know, I'm an anxious person by nature. So I, I need to have things planned out in advance. Um, so that might be the worst part. Also, um, being in the public eye, you know, is is hard at times because um, I don't know. I just it's I always feel more self-conscious about what I'm saying and how I look and how I dress and what I'm doing because I feel like at any moment this what I'm doing or wearing or saying can be reported by any number of media outlets. So, you know, you got to you got to watch what you say and do. And, and it makes me a little bit nervous and insecure. Um, but that's all that's all part of the job. Everybody has parts of their jobs that they love and hate. Yeah. And well, those are mine. It's so refreshing to hear you say that, I have to say, because like you were saying, we see these like, you know, these red carpets and everyone is so flawless and beautiful. And it's kind of refreshing to hear that there is more going on behind the scenes. And that actually is a perfect transition into the next thing that I want to talk about, which is that you especially recently have been a really strong and vocal advocate for mental health. And Mm -hmm. you have shared that you suffered from anxiety and depression, even from a young age. So even Mm -hmm. as you're playing this perky and kooky and super fun Kimmy Gibbler that behind the scenes, there was a lot more going on. So can you talk about that a little bit, both about what, what you've been through and why you've decided to talk about it? Yeah, um, of course. I I am a lifelong sufferer, or I guess I like the word survivor. I'm yeah. a lifelong survivor of anxiety and depression, and I, I still struggle with it to this day. But um, over the years, I've learned how to manage it through a variety of forms, um, whether that be running or medication or meditation or therapy. There's a lot of different ways to manage um, anxiety and depression. And um, yeah, I, I didn't even know that it that anxiety was something that I had. I thought that it was just normal to be worried all the time and to be overthinking things of, all the time and to, to wake up and to be so nervous that I would dry heave for an hour into the into the sink. You know, um, I just thought that was a norm. I thought that was normal. You know, I didn't know any other way of life. So um, that's what I did. And even when I got really, really nervous before performances or before or before doing hard scenes, I thought that's, well, that's what you do. You just get nervous and you, you throw up or you dry heave or you worry and stress out. Um, I didn't know there was a name for it. And it probably wasn't until I was in my twenties when it started to get really bad. Um, I had a really bad bout of postpartum depression with my second born, um, with my daughter. And that's when it got so bad that I couldn't get out of bed. Um, and I had to have, um, my parents come over and help take care of me and take care of the kids. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't eat. I couldn't get out of bed. I was just, I was in a really bad place. Um, and that's when I decided, you know what? I can't, I can't do this. Like I can't do this anymore. I need, I need help. And I think that's one of the hardest things is recognizing that you need help and asking for help. Um, and having the will to get better. 
you know, cause I think when you're depressed or anxious, um, it's really easy just to kind of stay in that dark hole and to think that things are never going to get better and to not even want to try to get better. Um, and so that was the start of my journey to, to being healthy again. Um, and I started seeing a therapist and I was put on medication at the time and I've been on and off medication throughout the last, um, several decades. It all depends on my current needs, but yeah, I guess, I guess why I decided to start talking about it is because it's such a big part of my life. Like it can consume you when you're in your, when you're in the throes of depression or when you're, um, having an anxiety attack, it's all consuming. Like it's all you can think about. Um, and it affects everything. It affects your family. It affects your work. Um, it's really hard to go out in public and put on a face put on a brave face and, and pretend like nothing is wrong when everything is wrong. Um, so I just decided, you know what, it, this shouldn't be a shameful thing that I'm feeling. I, you know, I felt shame about it for a long time. Like this is my dirty little secret and I don't want people to know about it because I'm ashamed of it. And I, I finally reached a point, maybe it was turning 40 where I finally just had an attitude of just like, eh, who cares? Like this, this is me, you take it or leave it. Um, where I just thought, you know what, I'm just going to talk about this because it's a, it's a big part of who I am. And if you want to get to know me, this is a part of me that you need to know about. Um, and the response I got was overwhelming. Like so many people started commenting on my Instagram or, or sending me messages saying, oh my gosh, you know, thank you. I can relate to this. This is me. I feel like I'm reading about me. Um, and that in, that in itself has been very therapeutic for me to hear from other people about their experiences with anxiety and depression um, and how they've coped or how they've struggled or what they've done. I mean, just, just feeling like you can relate to someone is in itself very therapeutic. Um, so I think the more I talk about it, the more empowered I feel and the healthier I feel and the more I feel like I can conquer these demons. Um, and it's nice to know that there's a whole tribe of people out there and I, that can relate. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sad and sorry that there's a huge tribe of people that can relate to this, but it, it's nice knowing that you're not alone because for a long period of my life, I did feel very alone and that I was the only one that suffered this way. And, um, now I know I'm not alone and it's, it's a good feeling. Yeah, for sure. What is your best advice to people who want to show support for someone going through anxiety, depression, or any kind of mental health struggle. Because I know that, like you said, it's so easy to feel alone as that mm -hmm. person who feels that way. As someone who wants to show support, what can they do? I think just being a silent listener without judgment can be the biggest support. Because I think as and I, I can only speak for myself, but as someone um, who's anxious, who's been anxious and depressed, um, my biggest fear is that people will leave me, that people will go away because they don't want to be around me anymore because um, I'm anxious and depressed. So the best thing you can do is to let that person know, hey, I'm here for you. I love you no matter what, even if you're in your darkest times or if you're in your best of times, I'm, I'm here for you no matter what. And I'm not going to leave you even if you're struggling. I think that could be the best thing. And then, and then just to listen, you know, as an anxious person, I tend to talk about the same things over and over and I obsess over, over problems or, or things that are stressing me out. Um, and so my boyfriend has been 
a godsend in just listening to me and, and listening to me work it out. And he'll throw out suggestions if he feels it's necessary. But sometimes I just need to talk it out and figure things out on, uh, myself. So, um, yeah, just being a silent supporter uh, without judgment is, is the best thing you can do. That's great advice. And you mentioned therapy, which I am a big, big fan of. And I oh, will yes. admit that I didn't go to therapy for a very long time. I was very sick for a long time with a chronic illness and I was very deeply depressed and everyone was trying to tell me you should go to therapy, you should go to therapy. And I think when you're depressed, it's like, you know, my whole thing is I was like, why? I'm just going to sit there. I'm going to cry the whole time. It's just one more Mm -hmm. doctor. I don't know how to fight. Like I had every excuse that if anyone ever said those to me, I'd be like, you sound crazy. Come on, like, let's do this. Those are excuses. But of course, when it's you, they all seem very real. So can you talk to me a little bit about your decision to start therapy and what were some of the like, what was the most helpful thing? Because obviously there are so many different types of therapy and different, you know, practices that help people going through different things. But are there certain things that really helped you get through tough times or that shifted your thinking or kind of your your greatest therapy takeaways? Yeah, um, I think I was resistant to therapy for a long time, too, because like you said, when you're in the throes of it, you, you just feel like, well, nothing's going to help. Why am I going to waste my time? Um, and you don't realize how beneficial it can be to talk to someone, an unbiased listener who will listen to you and then give you feedback, <laughs> critical, critical and um, constructive feedback about why you feel the way you feel and ways to cope with how you're feeling. Um, so I went through several therapists before I found one that I really clicked with. Um, and the first couple were, were terrible. I had one therapist who was just like, well, well, you know, what's wrong with you that you can't be around, that you can't be around your kids or you can't take care of your kids. Like what's wrong with you? And I thought, what a terrible thing for a therapist to say. Um, and then I had another therapist that was just silent. Like she, like I would just talk for 45 minutes and she wouldn't, she wouldn't give me any feedback. And I'm like, this is just making me more anxious. <laughs> Why am I paying you? <laughs> yes. I'm like, this is like, it's great to air it all out, but I need feedback. I need somebody who will, who will talk with me and not just like listen and nod their head. And I don't know if she was doing an experiment to see how anxious I would get in the room with her with this awkward silence. I don't know, but oh. I was like, I, I need to get rid of her. Um, and then I finally found um, a therapist. I asked my, my OBGYN actually, He's the one who gave me a recommendation for my current therapist. Um, so if you're trying to figure out how to find a therapist, I think recommendations are great um, from family or friends. But just ask, ask your doctors, too, your doctors that you currently have and trust, because they might have some really valuable resources. So, yeah, that's the therapist I've been seeing for probably over 10 years now. I'm still with her. There's times when I see her twice a week. There's times when I see her once a month. It all just kind of depends on my current climate, <laughs> my mental health climate and, and how I'm feeling at the time. But yeah, she's been, she's been amazing. And the reason, the reason why I finally went to a therapist is because um, it was my, my anxiety and depression was affecting my relationships. It was affecting my relationship with my kids. It was affecting my relationship with my husband at the time. Um, it was affecting my relationship with my friends and my parents. And I thought this isn't fair to them. Like, let's not even talk about me for a minute. It's not fair to them to have to live with this and for me to not be seeking help. So that's what finally propelled me forward into, into getting into therapy and to 
working with a therapist on, um, ways of managing my, my struggles. Um, and so with the therapist, yeah, I mean, she gave me some different techniques like breathing techniques. And I mean, sometimes even just learning about why, why your brain reacts the way it does, even just learning about the disease helps in my opinion, it helps you figure out why your responses are the way they are. Like I hold all of my anxiety in my stomach, which is why when I get super anxious, I want to throw up because that's, it's, it's a surge of adrenaline that goes directly to my stomach. And that's why I feel, that's why I, I feel like I want to throw up or dry heave or whatever. I mean, things that have been going on since I was a little girl, that's why my body reacts the way it does to anxiety. But one of the greatest things she encouraged me to do was to get physically active. And that's sort of how I fell into running. I had a couple of friends who were running the Tinkerbell, the inaugural Tinkerbell half marathon, and they were encouraging me to do it. And I was like, "Eh, I can't, I can't even run a mile, much less 13 of them. And, um, I ran my first half marathon and I felt so confident and so proud of myself. I just felt on top of the world. And that in turn helped me combat the depression and the anxiety that I was feeling. And so it turned into, you know, I, I originally thought, well, I'll just run this one half marathon and that'll be like a bucket list. And then it's turned into this major part of my lifestyle that I do for many health benefits, but mostly for mental health benefits because it's, it has absolutely transformed my life and my relationship with my mental health. I love that. That is amazing. And that was a perfect transition because I wanted to start talking about running. So yes. <laughs> so I love that you went from literally zero to 13.1. That's <laughs> yes. no big deal. So tell me about training for your first race. Like it sounds like it didn't take a ton of convincing to get you to sign up. Is that accurate? No. Well, it didn't. Um, and here, the reason why I finally signed up, like I was on the fence for so long and then I finally went to the Disney website and it was like their, their homepage said Tinkerbell half marathon, 97% full capacity. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to miss out. <laughs> so it was really FOMO that made me sign up for my first half marathon. Cause I was like, I don't want to miss out on the tutus and the glitter and the wings and all, like all the medals. So, uh, it was it was FOMO that made me sign up, um, and the fact that my friends are just very very persuasive, yeah, as well. But no, I was not a runner. You know, I started with the couch to five k program, and I was just like, God, this sucks. Like it it took a really long time before before anything felt remotely easy, and I. I don't know if I really enjoyed the training. You know, the first time I ran double digit miles, the first time I ran 10 miles, I'm like, I don't feel a runner's high at all. I feel like I want to cut <laughs> off my legs and murder someone. I was so cranky about it. So yeah, it, it took me a while to get to that, to that point where I felt that runner's high consistently, <laughs> but the training of it, it was very, it was very difficult. And perhaps I should have started with a 5k or something a nah. lot smaller, <laughs> But hey, go big or go home, right? Exactly. So how was, did you love the race and did you dress up? Yes and yes. I loved the race. Oh my gosh. It was so much fun. Um, My friends and I dressed, uh, not as characters, but we did wear the, the, the green tutus and we wore green wings that were, I think those wings have since been banned by Run Disney because they were so large and they would <laughs> hit other runners as we'd run by. And I feel really bad about that now. Um, but yeah, we, we had, 
We had all of the accessories. It was it was so fun. Um, I had such a great time running with my girlfriends. Uh, and Run Disney is they they put on great races, and I'm so sad that they've canceled um, their West Coast races because, you know, there's so many people I think that that start running because of Disney races, um, and because it is fun. It's not like, it doesn't have to be super competitive. You can run as fast or as slow as you want, and it's just about having fun and getting out there and. You can dress up or not, you know, all, all runners of all types are accepted. Um, and that's what I love about the Disney races. And that's what did it for me. Well, and you claimed it was, you were going to be bucket list one and done. And that Mm -hmm. obviously didn't happen. So what kept you coming back to running? Um, my friends and I, we all got on the phone, um, the night after the Tinkerbell half marathon and we were looking up half marathon. We, like I had signed up for my next race within 48 hours. After happens. <laughs> Every time. I don't, if, I don't know if it's the endorphins, like the endorphins make you drunk. I swear. Oh, big time. Um, so I had signed up not for one, not for another half marathon, but for three, I signed up for something called the beach cities challenge here in California where you run, um, three half marathons within a year, uh, like the surf city one and the Huntington beach one, you know, there's, a, there's various ones, the OC mar- half marathon. So I, I signed up for three half marathons within 48 hours after completing my first one. Like I was crazy, but I was so happy. I mean, I was so happy. I could not stop talking about this half marathon. I could not stop carrying my medal everywhere <laughs> I went. And I'm sure I annoyed people, but they were so nice. And they were like, no, we love hearing about it. We love, you know, your joy is infectious. And um, in turn, I think that prompted several other friends to start running too. Um, It's just contagious. Like the joy of running is absolutely contagious. Well, I was going to ask. I love sharing it. Are you now the friend who tries to get your non-runner friends? You're like, come on, just do it. It'll be fun. Are you that girl now? (laughs) (laughs) Um. I'm one of many. I am one of many <laughs> friends that will encourage each other <laughs> to be to be those crazy runners. You know, I'm supposed to be up in Napa um, right now, actually running the Ragnar Napa relay. Um, but unfortunately, they canceled it because of yeah, all the devastating fires so that are up there. But all of my crazy runner friends that got me into this, we were, we all formed a team and we were supposed to be running um, Ragnar. So we, we deferred till next year. So we're going to be running that good next and year. Will that be your first relay? Yeah, I've never done a Ragnar before. Never done a relay. I'm a little nervous. No. Oh, my gosh. I've only done one. So I'm by no means an expert in pretty much anything. But I am dying to do another relay. You're going to have. Really? Oh, my gosh. You're going to have so much fun. Like anything that you think is like a reason not to do a relay, like the sleep or running during the the night. That's the best part. Oh, that's, really? Okay. Yes. Because that's what I'm most afraid no. of. I'm like, how do you run at like two in the morning? And how do you it's live a, on a bus with, oh. or a van with all these women? Oh, because it's going to be amazing. The My night leg, I think, was like the fastest I've ever run in my life because I was terrified. Um, oh, wow. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, get me to the checkpoint. So I like sprinted the entire thing and just like passed all these people. You're going to have so much fun. And 
you're kind of delirious by the time you do your third <laughs> leg. So you you basically you run it and then you finish and you don't even realize what you just did because you weren't really <laughs> awake. So you're really only running like one leg and then you're just kind of knocked out for the other two. So but you're going <laughs> to love it. That sounds like that sounds like a good combination, delirium and endorphins. Yeah, I That's feel a, like a winning combination. Uh, th- there's a reason I'm not a Ragnar spokesperson. I don't know why they haven't asked me because I feel like I'm selling it so well. But seriously, you're you going really, to have you so much actually fun. are. I actually feel a lot better about this now. Yeah, and you just you basically just like have a lot of snacks the whole time. I remember eating a lot Ooh. because oh, I what like else that. are you going to do? So yeah, you're going to have an amazing time. So something oh, to look good. forward to a year from now. <laughs> yes, a year from, or maybe I'll do one sooner than that because uh, I'm feeling pretty motivated after talking to you. <laughs> Yay, I love that. So before we move on to our sprint to the finish, I'm wondering, you are obviously a runner now, and we know that Candice, who is, of course, DJ Tanner, she's very mm-hmm. into fitness and wellness. Do you guys ever run together or work out together? Um, you know what? We We sort of, it's like, when toddlers parallel play, like we work out at the same time, but we're doing different workouts because she's all a strength gal and mm-hmm. I am all cardio. Like I hate strength machines. I hate strength training. I'm like, why am I going to work on strength when I could be running? Like there's no better thing. And Candace is like, why, why would I do cardio when I could be pumping iron? So, um, we're very different in that sense, but I'll see her, you know, most mornings at the Warner brothers gym and she'll be pumping her iron and I'll be on the treadmill cranking out my miles. So um, we kind of work out at the same time, but not do, doing necessarily the same thing. But she's promised to run a half marathon with me someday. So I'm going to I'm holding her to that. Um, she wanted to run the Tinkerbell and now the Tinkerbell is kind of, you know, put on yeah. hold for a while. So maybe it'll be a couple of years, but um, I'm holding her to that. Yeah. So you are the to friend. run with me. You yes. are the one. <laughs> awesome. All right. Before we sprint to the finish, what is something about Full House that most people don't know or understand or would surprise them? Like what behind the scenes things don't most people know about? Oh, um, you know, most people are surprised um, are when the, we have a live audience every Friday night. It's about 250 people that come into our audience. And I think they're most surprised about one, how many people it takes to do our show. You know, it seems pretty simple. We've got our main cast members and then we have cameramen, but no, there's probably um, over 200, 250 people that work to make this show happen. Wow. And, um, you know, the cast, we're just the face of the show, but there's a lot of people that work a lot harder than we do um, to make this show happen. And they really deserve all of the credit because they they make it happen and they they make us look good. So um, there's a lot of people that work on our show and um, the amount of time it takes to make a 30 minute sitcom. Um, It takes four days to rehearse and block and tape the show and then in front of the live audience, it will take four to five hours to tape wow. um, a single episode. So it seems really fast and, and convenient when you're watching it on Netflix um, to watch our, I think it's actually a 28-minute show on Netflix. Um, but it, there's a lot of work that goes into it. And it takes a long time, and our audience is always really tired and hungry by the end of it. <laughs> so with a live audience, do you still, are you able to do multiple takes? Like if someone messes up a line or if something technical happens, or is it like, oh, yeah. it's a lot, okay. Oh, no, it is, we, we, we need to, the, the freedom to mess up because we all mess up a lot. <laughs> um, no, the live audience is really, is really for the actors because you get a 
much different performance out of the actors when you have an audience there versus not an audience. Like the energy is higher, the performances are better, um, everybody's just on their A game. And so that's the point of having a, a live audience. It's so it's so us actors will do our jobs better. But no, we still we still mess up a lot, and the audience loves it, and they laugh, and we mess <laughs> up, and we poke fun at ourselves. No, we do many many takes. Um, we do a minimum of two takes for every scene. If there's a dog or a baby or any children in the scene, it will automatically take a lot longer. <laughs> um, and we'll do, you know, four or five, six takes of that scene. Um, so no, there's, there's lots of room to, to mess up. The, the pressure of a live show is, is off of us because, um, because of the sitcom format, but we still get the energy and the benefits of a live audience. That's so fun. Well, we'll have to organize like an Alley on the Run show listener trip Ooh, and we'll, yeah. we'll just be the entire live audience. That would be so cool. I had some runner friends come to a taping one night because um, we were running. What were we doing? Oh, we were doing a, a, one of our crazy challenges where we run two races in the same weekend. So I had I had runner friends in the audience on a, a Friday night show and I got up and talked to the audience with the microphone. And I was like, yeah, my runner friends are here and we're going to run a half marathon in the morning in Fontana. And then we're going to drive down to San Diego and then run another half marathon on Sunday morning. And it was like crickets. <laughs> I was gonna like the say. audience was like, what's wrong with you? Like I thought they'd be impressed or they would be clapping or they'd be like, you go girl. But no, it was like crickets. They did not understand why we would want to run that far that long multiple times in one weekend. And I'm like, oh man, they just don't get it. <laughs> well, I'm sitting here. It. Yeah. I'm like, oh, Oh, is there more room in the van? Like, I want in on that. That sounds great. And they're all like, oh, Kimmy's being weird again. Totally. <laughs> awesome. Well, with that, are you ready to get in the van and sprint to the finish? Yes, I am ready. All right. What would your last meal on earth be? In and out burgers. Oh, I multiple, like multiple, multiple in and out burgers. <laughs> awesome. What is your favorite TV show? Ah, uh, Big Bang Theory. Ooh, nice. What is your favorite movie? Shawshank Redemption. Greatest fear? Uh, losing a loved one. Favorite place you've ever gone for a run? <gasps> New York City Central Park. Yay! Love that Yay! answer. Do you have a go-to <laughs> mantra for races or tough runs? Uh, find your strong. And I know I copied that from Saucony, but it's still my mantra. Find <laughs> your strong. One. It's a good one. Um, what is the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning? <laughs> I check Instagram. <laughs> we all do it. It's fine. There are some people that have been on the show that they're like, I meditate. And I'm like, is that a lie? I'm like, do you check Instagram? And then you open your meditation app? Because it's okay. Like, we're not judging. We just want to know. <laughs> then... Uh, <laughs> I'm all about keeping it real. I will check Instagram before I even get my first cup of coffee. Me too. What is the last thing you do before you close your eyes at night? Ooh. Um, well, I try not to be on Instagram. Otherwise, <laughs> I will never fall asleep at night. Um, I'll read a book. I'm, I'm a reader, so I like to read at night, and that kind of calms me down. Are you reading anything good right now? Um, I'm reading, I'm, I'm sort of on a Jody Picoult Ooh, yeah. kick and I'm reading, um, what is it called? Leaving time. So you're I'm basically just crying now. yourself to sleep every I'm night. I'm crying myself okay. to sleep at night. Got it. Yes. <laughs> oh, she's um, so good. <laughs> Saturday long run or Sunday long run? Saturday long run. Get it done with so then you can eat the rest of the weekend. Exactly. What is the one thing that you can't run without? Um... 
Well, I'd say my phone, but that's kind of uh, the, the, the rapid fire questions have suddenly come to a halt. <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, that's what editing is for. <laughs> well, I always run with my phone, but I don't always run with music. So I guess the hmm. phone is more of a safety thing. Um, you know what I'm pretty attached to is my water bottle. Like I carry my water bottles on ridiculously short runs. Like if I'm going out for a three mile or I will take a water bottle and I, I blame it on the Southern California heat because I just, I'm always under hydrated. So the one thing I can't run without is water. All right. That's a good one. What is your favorite thing to do after a long run? Go to in and out and eat burgers. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Who I have was... a one track mind. <laughs> <laughs> Who was your childhood celebrity crush? Joey McIntyre, New Kids on the Block. If your life were a movie, who would you cast as you, as your love interest, and as your best friend? Oh, man. I've never been asked this before. Okay, I would cast um, Reese Witherspoon to play me, mainly just because I love her so much, and she's so fun and bubbly. Um, For my love interest, maybe... um, I don't know! (laughs) Dwayne, you could have Dwayne from oh, Full House. Oh, Dwayne, he's so nice. I would cast, <laughs> I would cast my current love interest, Juan Pablo de Pache, who plays Fernando. I would cast him because he's just the best, the best partner and TV husband anyone could ever Aww. ask for. Yeah, so I would absolutely cast him. Um, but I don't want him making out with Reese Witherspoon, so you know, maybe <laughs> you can I be have the to body double. Myself. I'll you can be, be the body, body double. double. Yeah, that's, you know. <laughs> and and then what was the last one? Who and your be best, my best friend. friend? Um, let's see. Uh, maybe like Drew Barrymore. Ooh. I feel like a kindred spirit with her because we were both child actors. Yeah, that's a good one. Do you have a favorite runner? Uh, yes, Lauren Fleshman. Ooh, Even though I know she's runner. retired technically, but she's well, my she's still a runner. runner. Yeah, she's still a runner. Once a runner, always a runner. Exactly. Do you prefer solo running or running with friends? Uh, I prefer solo running in general. Uh, You mentioned that sometimes you run with your phone. What do you listen to when you run? Oh, I'm a pop junkie. Like, I listen to Taylor Swift and Justin Bieber. I'm on a Charlie Puth kick right now. Like, I just love, I love just pop happy songs that will just keep me going. Right there with you. All right, this is our, like, big money question. You're hosting Uh a dinner party and you get to have five guests. Who are they? Um, I would invite uh, Obama, uh, Chris Heisler. Yay! (laughs) um, Reese Witherspoon. (laughs) How many more do I have? You get two two more. more. I would invite you for sure, Allie. And um, oh man, I only have one more. This is really hard. Um... I mean, you invited would, me, so I'll let you cheat if you want more. You know, <laughs> can bend the rules for you. <laughs> I would. Well, I feel like I need to pick someone famous. I would say my boyfriend, because I want him at everything. But um, oh. I feel like I need to pick somebody else famous, because all I have really is is Obama and Reese Witherspoon. I mean, those are pretty good people, though. I feel like as far as famous people go, they carry a lot of weight. So that's pretty. They solid. really do. Um, I would invite Kara Goucher and Lauren Fleshman also. Um, I'm just going to keep, we'll just keep adding like leaves to the table so that we can keep inviting more people. I like that. I'm very into that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And we didn't even talk about it. We'll have to do another episode. How did you meet your boyfriend? We met through running. He's a runner also. His name's Michael. Um, He's 0.1 miles on Instagram and all the the social handles. Um, And we met first at Rock and Roll Arizona is when we officially met. 
Uh, but then we started getting to know each other at the Rock and Roll Vegas race um, in 2014. And then he asked me out, and I said no, and he asked me out again, and I said no, uh, until finally <laughs> I decided to go out on a date with him. And um, I got to know him, and I was just like, he's a great guy, and it's great having a mutual interest like running because um, he knows the language and he knows the crazy and he understands why I would want to run two half marathons in the same weekend. <laughs> um, he gets it and he participates with me. So that's how we met. Oh, nothing, nothing beats a good running love story. That is my favorite. Yeah. Awesome. Well, before I let you go, give everyone listening a reason to run today. <clears throat> hmm. Go for a run today because everybody needs to sweat at least once a day. Love that. Awesome. And tell everyone where they can find you on social media. You can find me at, at Andrea Barber on Instagram, Twitter. Um, and I think that's my Facebook page, but I'm, I'm really, I don't do much on my Facebook page. So stick to Instagram and Twitter. <laughs> awesome. Well, we will include all of that in the show notes. Thank you so much for chatting with me. I have loved this. It's like chatting with a childhood hero. Oh, it's you're amazing. so sweet. Um, Thank you. And congratulations. This has been so much fun. You this had... has been one of the one of the more fun podcasts <gasps> yes. I've ever done. So thank you. Amazing. I love talking about running because um, I don't get asked about it. And when I do all of my press tour stuff, you know, I, I don't get asked about running very much. So I love talking about it. Thank you for inviting me to be on your show. Well, the next time you do do a red carpet, just wear running clothes and sneakers and they'll have to ask you about it. <laughs> So I think that's Pro how we <laughs> problem solved. Exactly. You're welcome. <laughs> See, I have some ideas over here. Awesome. I, I Thank you it. so much. This has been so much fun. Thank you, Allie. So good, right? All right. Now that this episode has happened, I just need to get Mark Paul Gosler or Zach Morris from Saved by the Bell on the show. Then I think my elementary school self can officially die happy. So Zach, Mark, if you're listening, come on, man. You didn't show up to my fifth grade birthday party at Putten Party Mini Golf in Manchester, New Hampshire. So the least you can do is come on my podcast. Andrea Barber did it. Now it's your turn. But seriously, thank you so much, Andrea, for coming on the show and being so kind, lovely, and honest. Guests like you are the very best, and they are the reason that I do this every single week. And thank you for tuning in today. You're the reason I do this, too. I hope you love this episode as much as I did. To stay up to date on all things Alley on the Run, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Alley on the Run 1, and be sure to like and follow the Alley on the Run Facebook page. You can also find all of this episode's show notes, including links to everything Andrea and I mentioned throughout the episode, on my website, AlleyOnTheRunBlog.com. That's all for today. I can't wait to see you back here next week for another super fun episode. There is so much good stuff coming to the show. So until next time, have a beautiful day and thanks for joining me on the run.